Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 16 of the Unending Rebuild. I uh, appreciate everyone checking in and listening. Super excited to go through today's episode. We got a bit of a new one today, a bit of a different format. We're going to have our quick news and notes as always, but like I said, it is going to be quick because we are having our rebuilding episode. Yes, this is the episode for the rebuilders out there. For everyone curious about the strategy of rebuilding, players you should target while you're rebuilding, we're going to have all of that today uh, and go through some different scenarios with you. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening in. And as always, we got Josh and Jared with me. Uh, Guys, say what's up. Yo, what up, guys? Um, Yeah, like like Kai said, uh, this is the episode for the Rebuilders. And I am rebuilding in most of the Dynasty Leagues I'm in right now. So um, I've been doing it for you guys so that I can give you the best possible perspective. Um, Obviously kidding. My team suck. But um, we're we're rebuilding, trying to build a a Dynasty. for for some future value so let's let's get into some strategy what's up guys it's jared thanks for joining uh as josh said a lot of us are in some rebuilds in the dynasty i myself rebuilding quite a few uh you know sometimes it just happens that way you know not every team can be the patriots year in and year out sometimes you're the lions and then you know you got to put together that great offense so that's what we're trying to help everybody do and what hopefully we can do to our own team so let's get into it all right, so with that, we're going to do about a half hour of some news and notes first before we get into our rebuilding segment, uh, just covering all the stuff that happened this past week. I mean, so many injuries, uh, changing the dynasty landscape, so we're going to get into that. I think the first one we're going to talk about is that terrible Javante Williams injury. Uh, not only did he tear his ACL, he also got, I think it was his LCL and then some other ligament in his knee, too. Um, a very similar injury to J.K. Dobbins' last year. Uh, so really just a terrible injury. It'll probably take a bit more than a year to recover from. Uh, so I'll open it up to the floor with that. I'm a sad Javante Williams owner uh, in Dynasty, and it's just – it's tough, you know, because the whole time you're like, you want the guy to play more, you want him to play more, and then this horrible injury just happens. So what do you all think? Yeah, uh, you know, it, it sucks uh, for Javante. You know, he's playing so well, as he always does. And and he, and then in the first half of this game, before he went went down, he was actually he had 23 of 25 possible snaps. Uh, so, you know, he was really getting on the field a lot, which was great for, to see for him. Uh, Melvin fumbled for the fourth straight game. Um, and so, you know, it's just sad to see. Uh, I personally, uh, you know, I like Kai said, it, you know, the injury is very similar to – uh, J.K. Dobbins and you know we saw him get injured in early preseason like OTAs and you know it took him till about week four to come back uh, or week three I guess was his first week and then week four you know he played well but for on the same timeline for Javante we could be talking about week eight nine next year uh, that's you know that's not good for his future value especially next year um, you know hopefully he can get back but we're looking at a seriously long timeline here for him and we don't really expect him to get back at the start of the year. Yeah, um, I am very sad about Javante Williams. He was my uh, bold take for our uh, um, our 2023 RB rankings. I had him listed at RB1. So obviously that is not going to happen. Um, mm. And really sad to see him uh, once he finally does seem to kind of take on that RB1 role in that Denver offense. He goes down for the entire year. Um, kind of some encouraging things, though. He is an extremely explosive player. We've seen what he can do um, when he is healthy. He's extremely difficult to bring down. 
He gets a lot of targets um, and he's very efficient as well. Um, so it's encouraging that he's still only 22. Um, he'll be 23 next year. And um, he's definitely a good buy low candidate um, just because I, I, I guarantee you the Javante owner is very, very upset. Uh, just Correct. like he is right here. Um, I, yeah. I do have Javante in one of my leagues as well. So I'm pretty upset. But because I'm already rebuilding, it doesn't really make sense for me to sell him. But Kai's, on the other hand, Kai's is in a situation yeah. to compete for the championship. Um, Kai's, I'd like to understand where your head's at on Javante Williams. Uh, I'm in a tough position here because um, I do have faith in the player to rebound from this. Um, will he be the same? Maybe not. Probably probably not the same exact version. He'll still be effective, certainly. Um, you know, I think over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to evaluate what I, where I am. I'm going to be watching J.K. Dobbins really closely and see how he looks relative to pre-injury as he gets more and more back into game shape. He looked good uh, this past weekend. Uh, But, you know, I think right now, I think he's just going to be sitting on my IR spot. I don't, you know, I don't really see a huge need for me to move him right now just because I know the offer is going to be so low. And I know that that redemption arc is going to be coming around next offseason. There's going to be all the hype of him doing, like, like speed ladder drills and all of that. And the value is going to go up. Uh, so it's, it's just tough. It's tough. You know, when you could, when all this, you had a, like a top five dynasty running back and then now he's maybe 20 to 25, something like that. I don't even, it's tough, but uh, it'll be tough to move on from now. Yeah. I know that like, it's, I, I agree. Like I, as an owner, I only have a redraft, but in dynasty, you know, you have to, you almost have to take a second to evaluate your team, uh, you know, maybe a week or two and see where you stand. Try to plug in an extra running back, but you don't want to sell a guy like that who is still so young, you know, right off the injury. This is, you know, going to be his lowest value point. Uh, and so to sell him now, you're not going to get even what you might get in the off season probably. Um, but that said, you know, if you can get an offer close to his value for, you know, a guy who starts, it might be something that you want to do if you're a competing team. But, uh, you know, it, it's a it's definitely a tough situation. And I would recommend evaluating your team, especially if you're already competing um, or if you think you can compete can, still without him. You know, he's not necessarily a guy you want to trade. Uh, and especially in many dynasty leagues, you may even be able to get Mike Boone. Uh, I know a lot of people are expecting Melvin to carry the load. Uh, you know, the coaches have said that he probably is. Uh, but Mike Boone is playing about 20% of the snaps prior to the uh, Javante injury anyways. Um, they did sign Latavius Murray. Um, but I, I I personally believe Mike Boone will take about 40% of the snaps from from Gordon. Uh, they've consistently used a committee backfield with Gordon and Javante, even though Javante showed that he was very good. Uh, and I, I think they liked Mike Boone already. So um, I, I think that you know he, he's a guy that you may be able to still get cheaply or even off your waivers in Dynasty who could be a play uh, and there are other targets that, you know, you don't have to sell Javante immediately. Yeah. I think I might be a Latavius Murray guy over Mike Boone. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just zigging while there's zag, but I just, I don't know. Mike Boone's Mike Boone seems like an okay runner, but just those two drops he had uh, over the weekend were just so bad. And it's, you know, I feel like where the Broncos are right now is that they're very frustrated with Melvin's fumbling They're frustrated with Javante's injury. And I just don't have faith in Mike Boone, the player, 
that right now I'm kind of in the Latavius corner of like they brought in a guy with his profile to be just a steady player, like nothing great, just steady and won't turn the ball over, but will catch the ball when needed. That's kind of the profile that I think I'm looking at. And another thing too is that he chose to go to the Broncos over the Saints. You know, like they wanted, they must have sold him something, some like consistent version of playing time. Latavius? No, no, yeah, that's Latavius. Not true. No, they signed him off the practice squad, yeah, so he didn't have a choice. They poached him off the practice squad. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, I he, saw some tweet about this. Well, uh, there's like the mechanics of the way that practice squads work. If you want to sign anyone on off anyone else's practice squad, you can. Yeah, you can only protect about three players each week from your practice squad, and I highly doubt they would protect Latavius. So I, I don't think that they had to do anything to give him up. Yeah, they poached him. No, the Saints offered Latavius Murray a spot in the 53-man roster yesterday, but he chose to accept Denver's offer. Okay, if they offered him a spot on the roster, then that's interesting. But also, I mean, you know, he – you know, he barely plays. He, he did play like they put him on the roster this week and then they reverted him back to the practice squad. If they really mm -hmm. wanted him, they shouldn't have reverted him back to the practice squad. Um, um, but hold on. I, I would like to add one thing about the Mike Boone, Latavius Murray, Melvin Gordon situation. Um, I still do think that this is Melvin's backfield. Um, I, I, I was watching uh, Melvin appeared on a podcast after the game. Um, and he was kind of highlighting, he was talking through his play where he fumbled. He was saying like, uh, he's not able to get any like consistent workload. I guess, no, this was after last week's game. Uh, I think he fumbled in that game as well. He was saying like, he's not able to get like any consistent work where like he's on the field one series, the next series, Javante's on the field and the next series he's on the field and the next series Javante's on the field. So they're like, they're like going back and forth in the series. And he says like, it doesn't give him like any confidence. And I, I assume Javante feel, felt the same way um, where you're not really given a chance to kind of build on what you did in the previous series. And he said like, he was just in a bad headspace and he was like, yeah, like he was afraid that he was going to fumble on like one of the series because he didn't want to like not get that next series. And he did fumble. He kind of like, uh, I guess talked himself into it and he fumbled the ball. Um, so I think that like once, he does have kind of that job security where Javante's gone, unfortunately. I think this is uh, Melvin's backfield. He'll probably see like 60% of the work. Um, and he'll end up as a fantasy RB2 like he does every single season. Um, we didn't want it to end this way, but here we are. Javante's out uh, and it's Melvin's backfield. So, Well, there you go. We're All, all three of us are split. Uh, some good advice from all three of us that all contradicts each other. So yep. good work, <laughs> <laughs> it gives people to think. Listeners, make your own decision. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever you own, own, you'll be like, "That's my guy." That's, that's the best exactly. part about our podcast. We create a choose-your-own adventure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll never be wrong. Uh, All One right. of us uh, has got to be right. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, up next, uh, there's a quick note on the whole uh, to a concussion. Uh, that was terrible to watch. Um, Just so hard to watch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot of dynasty implications from this, unless Tua is like actually like seriously injured uh, long-term. Uh, I mean, I think Teddy will be fine for the receivers. I think most of their productions after the catch. Um, yeah. We I'm don't, not yeah. Too concerned. we just don't really know the long-term effects. So uh, yeah. as for now, we just think it and hope that it's a couple week thing, no real dynasty implications and hope that Teddy is serviceable enough to hit those guys in stride and let them use their speed. 
How about a quick uh, Skylar Thompson stash shout out? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought about it. I thought about it. Yo, the like, craziest thing though was yeah. that the Dolphins activated Skylar Thompson mm-hmm. for the first time yeah. before yeah. the game because mm-hmm. they knew Tua was fucked up and they knew there was oh, a chance. Know Skylar's better. You know Skylar's better. <laughs> I don't than think Tua. so. <laughs> <laughs> That's honestly right. just like, so messed up by the Dolphins organization. It, it was. It was so yeah. bad. Uh, was, I don't know why Amazon kept showing the highlights of that injury too. It was so bad. Yeah, uh, I definitely think Skyler. I definitely think he was worth a, a deep roster stash. Um, you know, I mean, you never know what happens with Teddy, and he did oh, look yeah. good in the preseason. So I don't know him, he, and, he him and, uh, and Ezra Kamla making that connection. That, uh, that connection. It was fire. <laughs> that was so good. All right, to another injury, we got Cordero Patterson uh, put on the IR. Um, I, I was a bit sad about this one personally as a contender because he was definitely someone that I would try to eye to pick up. Um, uh, for my hopeful playoff run here. Uh, it, yeah, it, it, putting on the IR, the knee injury right away, not a whole lot of information about it. And now with Damian Williams uh, coming back shortly, Algier will get a chance, even Tyler Huntley, I guess, will get a chance. Uh, didn't love seeing this one. It did make me a bit sad, but uh, I, I don't think there's too many dynasty implications behind this one. Any thoughts to this? Uh, yeah, personally, I think, there, there could be some serious dynasty implications so far. Um, at Doug Keed uh, on Twitter, uh, K-Y-E-D, he says the top PFF graded rookies, offensive rookies this season, number five is Tyler Algier. Uh, I think Tyler Algier looked very, very good last week. Uh, and if he can continue that, then he, I think he could take a serious role um, for this year in, in the Atlanta backfield. They ran just nonstop this week. Uh, and they clearly want to continue to run the ball. And I, I don't think necessarily Algier, you know, takes over 100% of this backfield. I think it's a, a pretty big split with Tyler Huntley and maybe Damian Williams when he comes back. But Algier has looked good. He he put up about 1,800 all-purpose yards at BYU last year. He's a big back. He's physical, and he has the speed, and he can catch. He, he looked fluid on his one catch, uh, and, you know, he did that a lot in college. So, I think that Algier could really show that he is an NFL back uh, in these next four weeks and take over, uh, take some serious work when uh, Patterson comes back. And then next year, who knows if they bring Patterson back to be the lead? Who, you know, we, it was all up in the air. You know, it's been up in the air. Nobody really knows, you know, how long they can keep Patterson and how long he'll be effective. But you know, Algier's on his rookie deal, and so far he's looked good in his limited work. And I, I think there's a chance that you know he keeps that up. Yeah, I agree with you, Perlman. I, I mean, kind of building off of what you said, like. I wasn't a huge believer in Tyler Algier coming into the season, but he's really grown on me and he looked really good um, on Sunday. Uh, he looks the part of an NFL back. He's really big, um, like 230, 235. He's a big guy and he's, he looks explosive as well. Um, so I'm very encouraged by everything that I saw. Probably the most encouraging part is surprisingly, the Falcons are the number one team in the NFL in run blocking. Um, in run blocking grades, so they y'all, y'all are turning me on here to Algier. They <laughs> I might have to, I have to consider it. <laughs> the, I've been dude, an Algier guy. He's big. He's fast. He's strong. Yeah. You know. It's, yeah, I remember watching a BYU blessing. and thought he was nice, and then the six round capital scared me away. But maybe I'll come crawling back. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like he must, he he kind of just fell through the cracks, I think, because um, I was definitely off of him because of that six round draft capital as well. But the Falcons lead the league in terms of yards before first contact for any running back the three falcons running backs are the three leaders in yards before contact wow uh, rushing so 
that that tells you something about yeah definitely like a big opportunity then for him to show out this these four weeks and yeah good for him that's good for the you know falcons line moving on from our atlanta falcons discussion uh we got some talk from the very busy jet steelers game uh first we got that boy kenny in the game uh finally is out of there um I loved how he threw three picks that none of which were really his fault. Um, and those were his uh, only three incompletions. Yeah. yeah ball didn't hit the floor. Uh, but yeah. yeah, he looks solid. I mean, George Pickens is uh, eaten too. I mean, he can't be much worse than how Mitch was playing. Uh, and yeah, good for Kenny Pick. He's got a brutal schedule coming up though. So poor guy. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you're a yeah, picket yeah. owner, you got to be excited. We highlighted that schedule and, and, you know, they do have a brutal schedule coming up. We were like, when is he going to, you know, they can put him in second half of the <laughs> Give Jets. Them the I guess that works, you know, yeah. let him get, let him get the Jets for a little bit. Um, but, you know, I highlighted last week that Trubisky is really holding those receivers back. You know, he, yep. the, all, all the, you know, main options in, in Pittsburgh were really underperforming this year in terms of, you know, what they should do with their respective targets. And so to see Kenny out there stand strong in the pocket in a few plays, you know, take some hits and throw some good balls. So they're all good things to see out of the rookie. Uh, you know, you only threw it 13 times there in the second half. Uh, so not the volume you want necessarily, but if it can be more accurate and catchable balls, then those guys can be very good and very effective after the catch. Um, so I'm really excited uh, to see Kenny in there, but I think we'll definitely have to temper expectations um, with the uh, with the upcoming schedule. Yeah, honestly, though, like nobody expects Kenny Pickett to do anything at all against the Bills. So I kind of think that it's like the perfect situation for him where he only has upside here because people already kind of expect the Bills to kind of pummel the Steelers into the ground. The only like outcome that can really happen from like a positive perspective is like Kenny Pickett comes out and he balls. And the second that he does that, his value goes through the roof. Um, And I'm really encouraged by everything that I saw from Kenny Pickett. He stood in the pocket, um, wasn't afraid of the hits uh, while Trubisky just kind of dances around and uh, runs around the pocket, not really seeing any of the open guys. Uh, What's his name? Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator for the Steelers. Like he's able to scheme the guys open. The guys are constantly open and Kenny Pickett was able to find them. Um, He was 10 for 13 with three interceptions. All three of the picks in my opinion, shouldn't have been interceptions. Uh, Firing with dropped the pass. Claypool dropped the pass. And then the last one was a Hail Mary. Um, so a lot of encouraging stuff from Kenny Pickett. Yeah. I mean, I think if he plays poorly, which is the expectation, it doesn't matter and you shouldn't take anything bad from there. But yeah, if he plays great, then you know, sky's the limit. Uh, I don't see that happening, but definitely don't take anything if he plays it poorly uh, and more temper expectations for the wide receivers over the next couple of weeks, I think yeah, uh, just be, yeah, because of the teams they play, but Hey, garbage time can be a beautiful thing for fantasy. <laughs> yeah. And he targeted George Pickens the most out of any of the receivers. So you love to see that. Yeah. And so Pickens coming on and Fryermuth is still a stud. I still got a ton of targets even with Pickett yeah. there. So that's good. Um, but if you guys are done with that, I would definitely want to get on the other side of the ball um, yeah, for sure. Good. Yeah, because Zach Wilson finally made his his first start this year. Uh, he was, you know, he was struggling in the first half, but 
And the second half, he he looked much, much better. He, he really came on, uh, found his own, was going through his progressions and, and really hitting the right players at the right times, I thought. Um, he definitely struggled in the first half, and, and it was very scary because I thought Zach Wilson was going to be good. Uh, but to see him come out there after the halftime and make the appropriate adjustments and stand in the pocket uh, and do his thing, you know, he – He's, he was still finding Tyler Conklin, still finding the running backs, uh, you know, some kind of, some things that I wasn't necessarily uh, expecting him to do maybe at the same rate that Joe Flacco was doing. Um, but, you know, he stood in there and got the win. So uh, it was it was good to see. Good to see him have a good second half. Yeah, um, less so on, on Zach Wilson, but uh, I'll let guys revisit that. But the guy that I was most impressed by was Brees Hall. Um Brees it Hall, was a good day for me. Yeah. Like it was Besides Javante. <laughs> Brees Hall has just like continued to see just like more and more work out of this backfield. And he's slowly starting to creep in like into RB1 usage numbers. Um, he actually is second in the NFL in targets per game from the running back position. He averages just under seven targets a game. The only person who has more targets than him per game is Austin Eckler at 7.25. So Brees Hall is slowly creeping into that. Um, that sort of RB1 realm. And he's also uh, top 20 in the NFL in terms of efficiency, uh, in terms of fantasy points per opportunity. So um, really encouraged by Brees Hall. Um, I think he's going to be a stud uh, for many years to come. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I agree on both those points. Zach Wilson, the second half, was balling those last two drives. Uh, again, on the win, he was really good. And that, I, I, I'm actually surprised that the Brees workload's increasing this much. Um, I mean, he's shown he's really good but all the time. We see these coaches being like, no, 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 he's not going to rush him in. You know, we're going to play the Michael Carters of the world more, you know, blah, blah, blah. But man, did he look good. And just the, the fantasy value that this Jets team has uh, right now is just remarkable. Um, yeah, good. Good for them. Solid. Yeah. Yeah, solid. Finally, finally got himself a good yeah. coach, and I think this is sort of probably more what we expected from Brees. You know, being the lead rusher, and then maybe Michael Carter taking more of the targets. So he had 17 rushes this week and six targets. It's only two catches, but uh, you know, I, I think this is probably more of what we expected. If the Jets want to run the ball, you know, give it to that stud, and, and maybe if they want to get it through the air, they can put Michael Carter in. He was a great receiver last year, and he'll you know sparing, sparingly run here and there, but. For me, this is this is more along the lines of what I expected and what I expect to continue. And you know, he was the number one pick for a reason. He's just going to keep getting better. You know. Yeah, yeah, I uh, completely agree, and I'm super excited to see him going forward. And a little bit of an upset watch this week with the Dolphins. You know, two or less uh, Dolphins going up against the fiery Jets. What do y'all think? Hey, I could see it. Mm, yeah, I still think yeah. the Dolphins win. Uh, the yeah. Dolphins defense is pretty freaking good. Jets cover, hopefully. Uh, what's, the, what's the line right now? I don't know. It's probably close. I don't even know where the game is. But I'm assuming the Dolphins are favored. Let me, let me uh, check it real quick. It's yeah, I just, Dolphins minus three and a half. It's in New York. Yeah. And you had it pulled up right there. Hey, uh, New York. <laughs> hey, there's a chance. There's a chance. There's a chance. Let's go Jets. <laughs> and there's a chance right, for we'll, them to cover. I don't think there's a chance for them to win. I think Teddy still right. is a victory. All right. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> all right. Last, last thing we're going to talk about. Um, are the Seattle Seahawks uh, offensive powerhouse, just like we all predicted. Uh, <laughs> the, the Lions are so bad that they made Geno Smith an MVP candidate. Apparently. I saw I like articles, uh, Geno Smith as MVP. That's crazy. Uh, it is. Uh, 
it's interesting, you know. I mean, who would have thought that this would happen? I mean, I remember like DK Metcalf was going like third, fourth round of redrafts. Like, you know, we're talking about buying low on him. You know, Tyler Lockett, good guy for contender or uh, like not for contenders because he's uh, not going to do anything, but he's old, bad for builders. And like uh, all the narratives have been busted. And uh, yeah. Good for Pete uh, Carroll. <laughs> I think this is more so a the Detroit Lions defense is mm-hmm. so so bad that it's like probably yeah it's it's like wet paper They're so uh, bad you can you can run right through it with a pebble um, and like Rashad Penny tore them a new one um, it's basically basically the lesson from this game is start every single offensive player going against the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, like, a few weeks ago, what, two weeks ago, the Seahawks played the Niners, and they got completely shut down. Um, albeit the, the Niners' defense is absolutely filthy, but still, like, the Seahawks' offense isn't some powerhouse. Um, but I think that, like, we'll kind of see that again. Um, we'll, we'll see the Seahawks' offense kind of struggle with them playing the Saints this week. Um but the Patriots are playing the Lions, so the Patriots are going to put up a ton of points when nobody expects them to. Um, Ramondre Stevenson and Damon Harris are both going to put up 20 bombs. So start off running backs against the Lions. Yeah, the Lions, and then they're just – they're so good on offense and their defense is so bad. You know, it's so fun to have them for fantasy team. But definitely you got to start all your players against the Lions. Gina, if Geno Smith can put up 48 against the Lions, like that's just crazy. Um but, you know, he he did actually look pretty good. The receivers were getting open, and he was finding them. And especially in that second half, Rashad Penny just went off on that Lions run defense. They could not stop him. Uh, and, you know, there's definitely a chance that, you know, that continues. Rashad has been off to a really slow start, uh, and Kenneth Walker hasn't really gotten involved yet, and we'll see uh, how that continues. Um, but, you know, Rashad is, is a big play running back and I think he is definitely a target for a contender, maybe not, you know, trying to go get him this week coming off a huge game, but, uh, you know, when he plays the saints this week with a better run defense, um, you know, that's something you might want to look into. He's got the jets in week 17, uh, the chiefs in week 16, uh, the 49ers in week 15, not exactly what you want to see. Um, but you know, some, some guys that he may be able to run on at the end of the year in those championship weeks. Uh, and for now it looks like he is that lead guy. Um, we've seen a few different variations of the Seattle backfield with Walker out the first game and Homer out, uh, the second game. But, uh, right now Penny is that lead back. And I, I personally think he continues that way for the rest of the season, maybe not into the future because he is a free agent, but uh, I think Penny is definitely a guy that you might want to buy next week. Yeah, yeah, I've been thinking about buying Penny as a contender. It's just, hmm, I don't know. I just, I'm just scared. Kenneth Walker scares me just sitting back there waiting for his time. Yeah, uh, I, I know. Um, Josh had Penny and has Penny in one league. He was thinking about trading him to a contender for a second round pick. Uh, I don't know. I, I thought that was a pretty, pretty good trade for both sides. Josh, why don't you yeah. give us some thoughts yeah, on uh, was, where you're thinking with that? I was thinking about that. That was in our league. And I was thinking about that. If, uh, if I want to do that myself and I'm leaning more in the yes category right now. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a, I'm kind of, I'm in the boat where like Penny is kind of a hot commodity right now. Um, I've, I've gotten a few offers from a few different places where people are trying to like package different things um get to get Rashad Penny um I kind of want to sell him sooner rather than later just because he does have that injury history I don't know when uh I I don't know if he's going to go down again 
Um, but he's definitely like a great player right now. Um, and he has the ability to pop off like 30 point weeks, uh, like he almost did this past week. Um, so I can see like, if he stays healthy the rest of the year, he'll probably finish it, finish as an RB one. Um, he will put up consistently, put up those kinds of numbers. And whenever they play these soft, uh, defenses, like they play the Cardinals twice this year, they play the Rams twice this year, I guess the Rams run defense is pretty good, but, um, they do have a pretty soft schedule. Um, so they will have Rashad Penny will have plenty of opportunities to put up big numbers. I do like the value of a second. Um, so if someone is willing to just like send that over, I think that I have to take it. Um, but nobody has sent that in, into my people have only texted me. There hasn't been any official trade offer in sleeper yet. So All nothing right. yet. I'll think about it. I'll, uh, I'll get back to you. Okay. All right. Well, into the main segment of today's show, we have the topic of dynasty rebuilding. So as we all know, rebuilding is when your team's not looking too good, but you know, it's not redraft or keeping those players. So how are you going to make your team better? Uh, that is what we're talking about today. So we're going to break this down to a couple of categories. Uh, we're going to use a quick uh, bit to, of time to discuss um, just the basic strategy behind uh, rebuilding, when you should do it, how you should do it, what you should look for. And then after that, we're going to get into some specific players that you should be targeting as a rebuilder. Obviously, you want to target those draft picks. Their value is a bit insulated. But we're going to be showing you some players that we think this value could have a, the potential to grow beyond what it currently is now, just based upon their situation changing, not necessarily their talents improving. So that is uh, how we're going to break this down. So uh, first, we're going to discuss very simply, when is the best time to begin a rebuild based on your roster? You know, should you ride it out to the end to kind of be like a middling team that kind of gets that fifth, sixth spot and gets into your playoffs uh, or the dreaded seven, eight? Or should you just be like, you know what, my team's aging. Um, I should sell off my assets while they still have value. Uh, so I'll open up the floor with that question. What are y'all's initial thoughts on that? Yeah, my initial thought is, uh, yeah, you don't want to, you definitely don't want to be in the dead zone where it's like five, six, seven, eight. Um, those are that's probably the worst place where you can be in in a dynasty, in a dynasty league. Um, if you're not at the top, then like it's kind of one of those things. If you're not first, you're last. So um, if you're not one of those top teams, then you kind of just want to look at your roster and evaluate if there's place where you can get value from some of your age more like older players that are productive, sell some of those aging assets and turn them into uh, younger players. I've seen a few people do it where they kind of take all of their aging players who are like very productive right now with, within like that 26 to 30 age range, um, sell all of those assets for like picks for youth. And you can turn around a roster like really, really quickly. I know the past few drafts have been like very, very helpful. So like back in like 2021, if you drafted, uh, like all those top guys and you immediately have an insanely powerful, like you have a powerhouse immediately. That's going to be a powerhouse for many, many years to come. If you had like five to six first round picks, um, I know that's very difficult to get, but just a hypothetical at this point um, where you can turn around a roster pretty, pretty quickly. If you decide to just sell everything for picks. Yeah. Guys like Waddle, Jamar, Najee, Javante, you know, uh, even Devante had a good season. You know, those are guys are, you know, great stud rookies who had great seasons right off the bat. And we expect many people in 2023 to have that. Um, so, you know, if you're looking at the tank season and you want to, you want to give up, uh, I actually 
I kind of disagree. Uh, if you're in that five, six range, you know, you still have a good shot at making a real run. I don't think you, I don't think you stay as a, I don't think you, you turn into a rebuilder unless your roster is, you know, really aging. You have a, a window. I was the, believe I was a fifth seed last year, ended up getting second, not ideal. I would have preferred the first, uh, but you know, you can still win some money as those late seeds. You can still finish, uh, you can still beat those top seeds. Anything can happen in the playoffs. And, you know, later on in the year, you know, I think a lot of teams really understand that they should have been rebuilding from the start and teams like to sell off later in the year. And there's a chance that you can go get some, some of those guys for cheaper. I think the best time to really you know, to start your, your rebuild, to commit to selling off your players is right about now. Uh, give your guys a couple weeks to hopefully go off um, and then sell them, you know, at what value you can get, uh, hopefully, you know, better than what they are. Um, but anyone on a rebuilder above the age of 27, 27 plus, uh, they're, they're most likely going to lose value in terms of, uh, you know, how other play- players in your league value them, whether their, their drop off is real, you know, you'll have to decide that. But, uh, you know, selling those older players, especially mid-season, I think is where you, you get the most value uh, because you really get teams understanding where they are. Uh, it's hard to get value in the beginning of the year, at the very beginning of the year, because other guy, other teams in your league don't know if their team is really, you know, a top two or three or four team. Uh, you know, it's all up in the air until about week five or six. So I think we're really getting into that time to start rebuilding right now. Uh, and it, it's really where it starts to pop off with some big trades. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. You got to start early with that rebuilding. You really need to. And there's there's definitely a benefit when you're the only team that's like officially like on the rebuild cycle too, because then all the contenders know what you're doing and they're all coming to you. You know, so you got a bit more of an open marketplace. Uh, yeah. All right. So um, so moving on into what types of players that you want to uh, target in a rebuild. Um, obviously, younger players. You want to get young players before they pop off, really. I mean, you like there's a lot of rookies that we've seen recently that have, you know, hit the ground running. But there's also a lot of rookies that that don't do that. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown being a fantastic example of that last year, where if, you know, you buy him in week six, seven, eight, you're you're looking at a decent fantasy player. But post that, he was just racking up targets, you know, eight targets after eight targets after eight targets. Uh, and so those are the kind of guys that you want to target that maybe have a slow start. Uh, cause I don't think you're getting Drake London, uh, cheap anywhere. So, uh, you, you want to target guys who have the slower start, the younger guys. Um, but don't be afraid to go after a guy, say maybe like Jacoby Myers, who isn't exactly young. I believe he's 25 right now. Um, but he's the one on his team and he's sort of undervalued in a lot of people's mind, uh, being, you know, a PPR guy and, and not scoring a ton of touchdowns. Those are guys that are most likely going to be, you know, decently productive in the league for a couple of years. And you can still probably get cheap, especially if they're uh, a guy like Jacoby, who's you know hurt right now. And, you know, his quarterback is injured. Um, so don't be afraid to go after slightly older players as well. You never want to target a guy who's 30 as your rebuild, but not everybody has to be a rookie. Yeah, I think that kind of the perfect target who I've actually been trying to get in every single league that I'm rebuilding in it rebuilding in is is Kyle Pitts um, Kyle Pitts has started off the year at an extremely slow rate he's been super super disappointing um, from a fantasy perspective especially in the redraft space where people spent a third round pick on Kyle Pitts 
and he's been an absolute dud so far. Um, those are the types of players that you want to be going out and buying before they start to return to form because their value is so depressed right now. Um, like Kyle Pitts right now, he before the season, I don't remember that one trade that Perlman uh, laid out um, when he said that Kyle Pitts was a sell, but Kyle Pitts should definitely not be on your sell list now just because his value is probably at an all-time low. The man is still only 21 years old. Um, he's coming off a couple rough weeks, but his value is probably at an all-time low right now. Um, and I can only see his value increasing from, from here. And he's going to have um, much brighter days ahead. Um, Problem. What was that one trade that I agree, but I just wanted a victory lap real quick. Cause damn, that was, <laughs> hey, if you traded Kyle Pitts back when I told you to, shit, you could have got Mandrews and something else probably. Like, but yeah, definitely not a sell now. I don't really remember what the you know the trade was. I think it was probably you know something looking at those other you know uh, older tight ends who have been very productive. Um, but yeah, Pitts is a great target right now. Um, I, who knows how well he ends up doing you know, to finish the year, uh, especially with how much they want to run the ball. Uh, Arthur Smith said we're going to run the, run the piss out of this ball, I believe, on the sideline today. Yeah, uh, our last Sunday. Um, so, you know, he may continue to not produce. And he, you know, in the few and then these next couple of weeks, he continued to be a trade target for rebuilders. Uh, we know he's a stud athletically. We know he can catch the ball fluidly. And if, if they end up passing the ball more next year, you know, he's a, he's a great buy. I definitely agree. Yeah. Uh, one last point I'd like to add on Kyle Pitts. So through 21 career games, uh, um, sorry, uh, through 21 career games, Travis Kelsey had 88 receptions for 1155 yards and seven touchdowns. Through 21 career games, DeAndre Hopkins had 76 receptions, 1,156 yards, and five touchdowns. Through 21 career games, Des Bryant had 80 receptions, 1,146 yards, 12 touchdowns. Through 21 career games, Kyle Pitts has 78 receptions, 1,176 yards, and one touchdown. Kyle Pitts is still super young. He's 21 years old. He's going to continue to – he's going to continue to rise up. He's going to be fine. He's, he's going to be fine. fine. Yeah. Yeah, this is just like quarterback and coaching thing right now. Um, even if Desmond Ritter gets in there this season, that could even benefit him. Yeah, um, let me re- it, reiterate one more time. Go buy Kyle Pitts. I'm trying everywhere <laughs> to go buy this man. He he was a, I would have bought him back then when he was when Perlman said some wild trade where it was Mark Andrews and plus. I'll still I'll buy Kyle Pitts that price and I'll buy Kyle Pitts down here too. I'm trying imagine to imagine Kyle Pitts on a good team. It'd be wild. <laughs> <laughs> And there's plenty right. of time for this Atlanta team to get better. So beyond beyond the big stars like the names like Kyle Pitts that are underperforming, we have uh, the players that you should target now broken out into different categories. We have the upcoming free agent category. These are guys that are going to be going on new teams soon, potentially as long as they don't resign uh, and could see their value uh, go up. Think about like Allen Robinson in the offseason, Juju in the offseason. They haven't really panned out, but in the offseason, their value skyrocketed. Next category, players that are hurt, players that aren't playing right now. They are of no use to contenders. Uh, Contenders, there's no need for them, you know? So uh, go out and target them as well uh, because their value will rebound over time. Then uh, we also have just generally new situations, especially players that are coming under new quarterback situations. 
think about teams that are going to have top draft picks next year, like the Texans, maybe someone like Brandon Cooks uh, sees a value adjustment because of that. He's a better quarterback throwing him the ball. Or think about someone like a uh, like a Rashad White, who has an aging Leonard Fournette ahead of him right now, but he is aging. And Rashad White looked Rashad White looked good uh, in the previous game. So players like that. All right, so let's get into some of those typical types of players. So we got our upcoming free agents first. Uh, first thing we have on the list here, we have Mike Gusecki, uh, Dolphins tight end, going to be a free agent. Uh, I think this would be a really good buy for a uh, rebuilder because he's not doing a whole lot this year. He uh, has shown talent in the past to be a capable fantasy tight end. He just can't block well. And Mike McDaniel uh, doesn't tolerate that. So he hasn't been as effective this year. And you could see him moving on because of that. What do you all think about Gusecki? Um, I still don't love Gusecki. Um, I guess if you can get him for like real cheap, like if the Gusecki owners just trying to like ship him off for – like a few pennies, I would do that. I wouldn't trade anything substantial for him. Um, just because, like, if you can't block, like, that's an essential part of the tight end position in the NFL. Like, maybe if a team wants to utilize some sort of hybrid wide receiver tight end uh, role, I guess. But that's a very, like, niche role that I don't see a lot of offenses possessing today. Um, Promo, what do you think? Well, I kind of agree. I also think that you can move on from some tight ends who are performing fairly well right now and get Gusecki plus that would be my ideal for uh, trade for Gusecki uh, trading later picks for Gusecki. You're probably nobody wants a fourth and you know, trading an early third, even for Gusecki. It's not really what I would prefer to do. Uh, but if you could move somebody like Gerald Everett and get Gusecki plus maybe Gusecki plus a, a third or Gusecki plus another player or even Hayden Hurst, you could, I think you could get Kaseki in a third for Hayden Hurst. Uh, guys who are older, uh, not secure on their role next year, and who are putting up good points this year that a contender is going to want. Uh, there's not a ton of tight ends out there, as we know, and Gerald Everett is absolutely balling. Um, and he's on a one-year deal, I believe. Uh, so you just don't know what that future holds in uh, in L.A., and I think you could get a pretty good return with Mike Gusecki, plus maybe even a second for Gerald Everett because of how well and how involved he is in that offense. Everett's Those are my preferred a, trades. Everett's on a two-year $12 million deal. Um, two year, okay. Personally, I wouldn't trade Everett for Gusecki uh, plus a third. That's a little bit too low for me. Just because like Everett is balling on the Chargers, like you said. And he's he looks like a receiver out there, honestly. Like he's wearing the number seven. He looks he looks good out there. Um, yeah, I like Everett this year. Um, I've been but trying to like sell it's him this like year on a on a re, on a rebuilding team. I mean, I'd obviously prefer the Hurst trade, but you yeah, know what? What is Everett doing for you on a rebuilder? Is he going to be that good next year? Is Keenan taking some of the targets? Does Josh Palmer get better? I I just don't know. But he does look good, and but he is old. So he's for me, old. you know, he's 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 getting old. Uh, I think that. You know, yeah, but that's that in position, like you can be a little bit older well. and maintain value for a very long time. Because Gerald Everett, he's he's an athlete. Uh, maybe he doesn't have the best lungs, like because we know that that one play <laughs> where he could have tried harder and he was just gassed. But he's a baller. He looks good out there. He does look good. I definitely. I mean, I wasn't. I should have been expecting it. I mean, he's been good throughout his career. But those are my preferred trades. I, I wouldn't really want to trade any kind of pick for Gasecki. I, I prefer to try to move off a tight end that is performing well and, and gain a pick. Plus yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, 
Like if you could do the Hearst yeah, trade, I think I, I agree would, as well. I would do that in a second. The Hearst mm-hmm. trade for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Everett, Maybe even uh, uh, what about um, uh, Hig Higby in a third. Higby and a Higby and a third for Gasecki. Or sorry, 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 Gasecki and a third for for Higby. Uh, if I'm a contender, I do not want. It, to no, you're, we're, we're we're rebuilding. We're rebuilding. Well, we're rebuilding. Here. We're rebuilding. Here. You have, have Higby in the podcast. Higby for Gasecki in a third. Higby's leading the league in in uh, targets from the tight end position. All right, which is a crazy stat. Yeah, no, and that that continues next year. I mean, I doubt it. Probably yeah. not, but like, you could get more than Gasecki uh, in a third for Higby. Well, like, I feel like Gasecki in a second, maybe. Like I just don't think people are giving up seconds for Higby or Everett. If I were a contender and I were tight end needy, I'd give up a second. I think maybe for Higby, for Higby, Higby. Yeah. I'd do. I think I'll do it for Higby. The right. Well, maybe. Well, there you go, guys. We get go get, trade those guys for a second and Gasecki. Right? <laughs> yeah, there if you can go. trade those guys for a second, you second. do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely agree with that. I still think I might take a high third, decent third, but who knows? All right. Another player we got here as an upcoming free agent is one we've already mentioned today. We got Jacoby Myers, uh, Patriots number one receiver. Uh, still pretty young, too, like we talked about. Uh, has shown he can be the number one guy, kind of surprisingly, not like a dazzling athlete by any means, but can produce. Um, and would be a curious addition, too, because if if he were to go to a team with a better passing offense and one that just passed the ball more, you really think that he could – do better than his like what would you say like wide receiver three-ish range that he's in now uh what do y'all think about Jacoby yeah uh Jacoby I said he's 25 but he's actually almost 26 so maybe if you can wait till November 9th make him be 26 (laughs) you might be able to get a little bit you know might have to pay a little bit less for him when you say oh look he's 26 not 25 um but I think you know Jacoby has shown that he can get it done as if uh, undrafted free agent, you know, he showed, he said, I want to go to the team that drafted the highest, uh, highest wide receiver. So he said, here's uh, <laughs> Nikhil Harry drafted in the first round. I'm going to go outperform him. And that's exactly what he did. Now, not to say Nikhil Harry's a stud, but, you know, Jacoby ha- has some fight in him. And I really like Jacoby. He's a PPR machine. Uh, Mac really likes him. And I think he's a great target because nobody's going to really want him with Brian Hoyer throwing him the ball unless Bailey Zappi can really go out and show that he's got some stuff uh <laughs> you know maybe he does but uh I think J- Jacoby is gonna you know he, he's not gonna probably perform these next couple of weeks is my expectation when he comes back from injury so I think he's a great target at almost 26 years old and I think there's a good chance that New England resigns him or that you know he goes in and, and he could be a uh sort of a Hunter Renfro last season kind of second uh second option where he's a fantastic underneath route runner uh so that's kind of what i see from jacoby and that's why i'd love to target him my dream is for him to go on the chiefs it wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense but i feel like he would just find those nice little pockets of space and mahomes would just find him anywhere yeah like if jacoby could go to like the chiefs the bills and the chargers like that'd be sick like <laughs> if he could play for each one of them every week yeah. that'd be crazy yeah that'd be wild <laughs> what happens if he goes to the, to the commanders Hey, Curtis uh, is balling. I'll just, I'll just drop him. Uh, <laughs> Look, you know, every single one of these guys are going to talk about could easily go to the commanders and it would oh, be sad. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that is, that is the point to this. You know, yeah. That is the point to this. It's like, could they go to a situation where their touches improve? Yes. Could it get worse? Certainly. But it's kind of like the risk you're paying. And these guys aren't super expensive, so you can kind of afford to take that risk on. Yeah, these uh, are ch- cheaper guys that we think, you know, can continue yeah. to be at their value, if not better, on a new team. Uh, and so obviously, just add them on to a trade. 
Yeah. Like, he, like last year, I got Ronald Jones added onto a trade. Didn't work, but he went to the new team. And if I, I probably could have tried to trade him for a second in the offseason. Uh, but, you know, it, uh, it didn't work out. As a rebuilder, what would you trade for Jacoby Myers? I think for Jacoby Myers is that you would trade like an older receiver and get back McCo- uh, Jacoby Myers at a first, something like that. I think that would be the type of deal you'd be looking well, for. Well, what older receiver is uh, – Oh, specifically? Hypothetical situation. Um, like what caliber? Now, I, I'm getting someone like a, court, like a Cortland Sutton maybe. Ooh, I mean, Cortland Sutton's probably – I mean, I guess you could maybe get the first additionally with him. Uh, I think that would be okay, but I mean, Corlin Sutton's pretty young. I, I prefer someone like D Hop, where maybe you can get a second in Jacoby. Uh, yeah, he's, like like he's already thirty. Yeah, um, like Jacoby, you know, you gain four years, you get the second. Uh, and I think you know, once D Hop comes back, personally, I think he's going to be the alpha in this offense. I think he actually he's going to show it. Uh, I I have D Hop in a league, and I'm not selling him until he comes back. And I have uh, Jacoby. <laughs> and hey, if that's what you want to offer, then I think I would probably take it uh, personally. Uh, Kai's tried to offer me a second for uh, uh, for D Hop straight up. I told him to fuck off. And then he offered me a first and a second uh, for D Hop and James Connor. And I said, there we go. We're a little bit a little bit more on tune there. So uh, I know Kai's looking at D Hop, and you know I know he's got Jacoby. So maybe we can work something out. But you know that that's sort of a sort of where I would be at. You know, a a, a very good older receiver. Uh, and you know you can you can get a pick and Jacoby back. All right, now we got a whole category of player here. We got the handcuff running backs that are upcoming free agents. We got Alex Madison. We got Tony Pollard, Kareem Hunt, uh, Jamal Williams as well. Um, what do you all see the value in these guys? Do you think that these are people that contenders are going to be trying to give away, um, especially if they don't have like Dalvin Cook, like Ezekiel Elliott, those types? Um, what do you think? Would you want to get these guys as a rebuilder? Because you can definitely see one of them falling into it, at least a, a role where they're in the conversation to become the starter. Uh, what do you all think about acquiring players like this? So when I'm trying to, so when I'm a rebuilder, I'm trying to acquire value wherever I can. And with some of these guys, I see their value as lower now than it will be next year. So let's take Alexander Madison, for example. Alexander Madison is still only 24 years old. And I think that it's likely that he finds a starting role somewhere in the NFL next year. If I can trade some productive aging player for Madison plus, then that's exactly the sort of deal, which I'm looking to do. Um, so that's kind of how I think about these handcuff running backs. Um, Jamal Williams less so because he's a little bit older. Um, and I guess Tony Pollard I, is Zeke on the last year of his contract. Is he gone next year? He's not. So then Tony Pollard might not even fit into the scenario either. Um, Kareem Hunt is a free agent, but he is a little bit older. So I think the the logic that I'm working with right now only works with Alexander Madison um, as a rebuilder. But that's kind of how I think about these uh, handcuff running backs. Yeah, I agree with you, too, because even if like, you know, in the offseason, they go to some team, there's definitely going to be that hype that like, oh, he's finally getting his chance. You know, maybe he'll you'll be able to start this year, you know, and even if that increases the value alone, that chatter, that initial moment when they sign his value is going to go up. So yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Jared, anything to add? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I, I do think Daryl Henderson should be added to this category, um, yeah. whether he's sort of the yeah. starter or not. Um, I, I don't think he's he necessarily the target. Um, so I, I, I mean, I agree. Madison is probably the best runner and has the most opportunity next year to change. 
these other guys already have roles uh, where Madison is really the the backup. He, he's one of the best backups in the league, but he doesn't get the playing time while Dalvin is out there. Uh, so Madison is a, is a great target, but I, I wouldn't avoid Tony Pollard either. Uh, he is still young and he, he has value now and he's going to continue to be the one B or one a to Zeke. Uh, Zeke is, you know, he has, uh, he's definitely under contract next year. Um, they have a big dead cap hit uh, if Zeke stays. Um, but the following year, the cap hit fall, the dead cap falls to six, six million rather than 12. Uh, so there is a chance they move on from him because his contract would still cost them 14 million if they keep him. Um, and I, I think that, you know, Tony, Tony plays a lot this year. Uh, he's going to be harder to get probably than Madison, uh, than Henderson, than Hunt. Um, but I, I would definitely target both of those guys, Madison and Pollard. Um, Madison, he is a good runner and has a chance to be a lead next year. Uh, and Pollard, I believe, is probably going to stay in Dallas. But we've sh- he's shown that he's explosive and he'll have a role either way. Uh, so those are my real two targets. Uh, I think Hunt and Penny are, are a bit scarier. And Daryl, I, I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. Um, but yeah, that's how I feel. Uh, and, and actually Jamal Williams, uh, we've, we have seen Jamal Williams take about 50% of the work every single place he's been, uh, with Aaron Jones showing every, every week that he was a stud, uh, the green Bay, uh, coaching staff still decided that Jamal Williams was worth it. Uh, same thing with DeAndre Swift with the lions, DeAndre Swift week after week shows that he's a stud and Jamal Williams still gets these goal line carries. Jamal Williams has uh, I think it was before this week. Maybe it was included this week, but he had eight goal line carries. He had four touchdowns. He converts touchdowns in the red zone area uh, inside the five. So he gets touchdowns. He knows how to find that open space. And he's a guy, uh, you know, it might, it might be a little bit difficult to get him right now because Swift is hurt. Um, but once Swift comes back, he's a guy that I might try to target uh, and, and hope that the owner sees the fall off. And uh, once Swift comes back and you might be able to get him cheap, I definitely wouldn't want to pay, pay up for him. Uh, but I do think Jamal Williams could continue to have a role uh, wherever he goes, because that's all we've seen is that even with very, very good running backs on his team, he continues to have his role there. And he's such a vocal leader in all of his locker rooms. He's very personable. We saw him on hard knocks leading that team uh, in, in multiple huddles. And he, you know, he leads the team, I believe before each game in their huddle. Uh, and so, you know, he's, he's almost a captain. Like he, he's going to have a role, I believe on any team that he goes to, uh, even if he leaves. So he's a guy that I'd, I'd want to wait until Swift comes back, but definitely a target that I would, I would still take a look at. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like I, I'm a big fan of Jamal Williams. Um, always have been, I'm curious what you think, because I don't necessarily agree that he's a target for a rebuilder. Um, but for a contender, I would definitely agree with you. Um, just because like, even when DeAndre's, even when DeAndre Swift was was healthy, he's still seeing like 15 carries a game. Like that's yeah. a pretty significant number. Um, and he's actually the sixth most efficient running back in the league right now um, in terms of fantasy points per opportunity. Um, so we know Jamal Williams is just a beast, um, and this Lions team is just a fantasy uh, goldmine. Yeah, their offensive line, especially their run blocking, is amazing. I just I would. I think it might be hard as a rebuilder to target him. I mean, not as a rebuilder, as a contender, because like it's not a gear. Like he he did have a lot of touches when Swift is there, but his you know his his 
his actual fantasy production goes down when Swift is on the field. Uh, Swift is going to come back this year. And, you know, if you're already a contender, you probably have a good squad. Like, who are you, you know, who are you going to bench on your good squad for a guy like Jamal Williams while Swift is playing? Uh, which is sort of why I would lean more on, yeah. on the rebuilder side. Um, but I do think, I think he could be a good target if you can get him cheap for any team. Uh, he's a good running back who is productive this year. Obviously, without Swift, he's, you know, incredible. Um, but I think he continue that next year. And if you can get him cheap, he could be actually a target for anyone. I just think it would be hard as a contender with a good team to start him over too many people. Yeah, as as a contender, I think it would be interesting, though, just to have him on your bench because Swift can be injured at any point, really. He's shown that throughout his career that he gets injured frequently. And, I mean, Williams last came about like 24 points. That could be like a playoff winner for you if Swift gets hurt at the right time. Uh, but I do think that as a rebuilder, it would be interesting to throw in, especially because he doesn't cost a lot now, but let's say Swift gets hurt long-term this season. Then as a rebuilder, you could also just completely flip him for like a first-round pick. Like I think if Swift's hurt the rest of the year, you could sell Williams for a first-round pick um, because he's going to put up like 20 points uh, a game with some regularity. Um, So it could be interesting from that perspective too. I agree. That's that's okay. fair. It's a little bit scary though, because you don't want to be holding the bag with Jamal Williams, and you don't want to be trade. What would you guys trade for Jamal Williams? Because he's twenty seven right now. What would you trade for him as a rebuilder? I think it's another guy that you kind of throw in on a, on a trade. I don't know if you go out and specifically target uh, Jamal Williams, um, but again, like you give maybe like a better running back, and you get Jamal Williams and a pick back, um, some sort of combination like that. I Similar think it would to, uh, yeah, have to Jacoby. be another older guy as well. You don't want to give up anyone younger, even if they're not performing. Um, and yeah, he's not a guy that you want to you know, necessarily give up picks for either. So it's probably going to be more of a player trade, giving up an older guy or maybe a receiver um, and then getting Jamal plus um, more of a guy that I would definitely try to target while I was giving away players rather than specifically targeting him. Uh, you know, and, and maybe some picks. It's it's definitely hard to value him because, you know, he can go either way. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't want to give up too much for him. It's it's definitely hard to value, but I definitely think he's a target because of what he's shown. All right, moving on to our next category. We got guys that are, uh, we got guys that are. Whoa, hurt. whoa, we didn't even talk about Josh Jacobs and, and James Robinson. I mean, I, I think we need to talk about them. James Robinson is a restricted free agent. Um, and and we just don't know what's going to happen there. And, and Josh Jacobs, uh, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, although you know they're running him into the ground right now. Uh, those are two guys that are playing very very well. Uh, and and you know Josh Jacobs, maybe maybe now his value's gone up, but uh, you know he was very cheap in the offseason. Uh, if you could get James Robin for Robinson for your rebuilding second, I would do that. Uh, if you could get Josh Jacobs for your rebuilding second, I would do that as well. I don't know if you can um, because of their production. Uh, I don't know. What do, what do you guys feel about these guys? I mean, they're, they're absolutely targets uh, in my mind, James Robinson, especially um, because he's restricted. He could stay there and they've shown him the lead back. They've given him the lead back. But what do you guys think about those two? I think it's just tough right now to get them as a rebuilder. Um, if they're on a contending roster, I feel like it'd be tough to, to pry them off their hands the way they're producing now. Um, especially Jacobs. I mean, Jacobs is looking like a bell cow back now. It looks like Mike McDaniels has realized that Jacobs is that guy, at least for this year. Um, 
maybe in the off season before he signs somewhere, it could be a good place to try to target him. Um, and I feel similarly about James Robinson. I do think James Robinson is a bit overhyped right now. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just doubting James Robinson one more time. Uh, but, uh, you know, he still has ETN to share that backfield with. And if, you know, I just I feel like as a contender, I'm not sure if you're looking to move off James Robinson unless you're upgrading to someone much better and you're throwing in a pick too. Uh, but I don't think that's the type. I don't know if that type of trade would happen realistically. What about a guy say like Fournette or Dalvin? Would you trade those guys for James Robinson in a second? Hmm. That's a tough one. I mean, Robinson is still pretty young, too. I mean, it's forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he's been around forever. Um, that's a I tough think one. yes. That's a tough one. I think, yeah. If probably. you're rebuilding, yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think those are, you know, good trades. There are probably a lot of teams that may have those guys um, that you can go out and, and get somebody like James Robinson plus an extra pick. Uh, you get a few years, you, you give up. Uh, some prime production maybe this year, but uh, th- those are some type of guys that I w- would probably certainly pivot off of. Um, I'm almost even considering maybe you could trade Eckler for Ray- Robinson in a first, maybe even Mixon for Robinson in a first. Uh, those are guys that I'm I'm thinking about right now as well. Yeah, I mean, I yeah really agree. I th- I, I like both of those sorts of trades, uh, both Eckler, Dalvin, and Lenny. Uh, they're all past the age apex. So um, historically speaking, it's only downhill from here uh, from both a fantasy perspective or a dynasty value perspective and a fantasy production perspective. Um, so you kind of, with, with, with these sorts of guys, you want to be a year early rather than a year late um, just because their value can go to zero very, very quickly. Um, kind of like what we, what we saw with Todd Gurley um, where his value fell off a literal cliff um, and went to zero within a few month time span. Um, so, yeah, I would like Lenny, Dalvin, uh, Eckler, they're all kind of like falling knives right now where you don't want to be the, with uh, the one left uh, holding the bag. So definitely like those trades. All right, well, after the mention of those two running backs, let's get into our next category here. We got the Hurt guys. Um the guys that aren't playing this year due to various medical reasons. Um, you know, first you got a guy like John Mechie, maybe he's on a contending team. He's out with this year, uh, for this year with um, his leukemia diagnosis, but is looking and seems like he's hundred percent making a full recovery, which is awesome. Uh, but that could be a player you could get off a, uh, uh, off of a uh, contending team. We talked about Javante Williams. Uh, if Javante Williams is on a contender and you're not looking to compete this year and maybe a good chunk of next year too, uh, Javante could be a guy for you to reach out to as well. So what are your initial thoughts about these two guys uh, or really any of the players with injuries? We've got Darius Tony here, Calvin Ridley who's suspended. Uh, what are you doing if you're, if you're a rebuilder? What are, you, are you going after any of these guys? I think if your time frame, if your window sits – where you can compete next year, it makes sense to trade for Calvin Ridley uh, just because his value is low right now. He's probably sitting on a contender's roster. Um, so you can try to trade someone who's producing now uh, for someone like Calvin Ridley. Um, he's seen, his value definitely is a little bit insulated just because he's he's young. He's only going to be 27 next year. Um, and he, he, he's still going to be a 
Calvin Ridley is still going to be a good player moving forward. Um, so I don't know exactly the right sort of deal that you can do to get that done. Um, just because I don't know what his market is. But speaking of Javante Williams, if you own him, like I think Kai touched on this at the beginning of the episode, like don't panic, uh, kind of hold him until, like Kai said, the off season comes around, unless someone's willing to just like pay the farm for him, just because you're going to have to wait so long on Javante Williams to get back to form. Maybe it's worth it. Um, but if you can go out and buy him, um, I think that you should do that. It's the same situation. It's kind of tough to say what his price is right now. I think maybe like a 23 first is where I'm at right now. Um, where are you guys at for buying Javante Williams? I mean, you can't give up your rebuilding first. That's for sure. If you've already got in a first from someone you could else. for me. Maybe. Me. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm not like, you know, as a, if my team is bad, I'm not giving up my first for Javante. I, I'd rather sell everybody and get Bijan. Uh, but let's say let's say you have two firsts and your second one is middle of the road team team guy. Top yeah. Team top two team in the league for sure. I, I'm giving uh, that. As a first. Williams owner, I would not do that though. I just, I yeah, think I, you could just get more in the off season. Um, and I, and I if think, you're trying to trade from for a contender, you know that that's not going to get it done. You know if. They had yeah, Javante contending. Yeah, it's going to have to be a player, probably. Do you think um, like a Joe Mixon for Javante Williams is within the realm of like reasonability? I, it's so hard to value Javante right now because it's weird because his value is tanking, but also at the same time, everyone recognizes that the value is only going to go up too. Uh, so I feel like if you're on a rebuilder, like, and you can afford that tank in value for now, and with the guaranteed going up later, I mean. It's it's a weird area. That's tough. Yeah, Joe Mixon's still pretty young. He's twenty five, right? Um, yeah, is twenty six. Um, I, I thought is he was like six. I thought Joe Mixon yeah. was like twenty seven, twenty eight. Up twenty six, like July twenty six. Okay, he he just turned twenty six. Uh, you know, in the middle of the summer. Okay. okay, I have my own concerns about Joe Mixon right now, though. His efficiency has been bad. I mean, I know he gets all the touches, but his efficiency. Their line also just sucks. Uh, I, I would. Yeah, I, I mean. I, I think it's a fine trade uh, for both squads if, if that's what you want to do. Um, I think Mixon would be a fine trade uh, for for both teams. You know, if you want to rebuild, get him off your squad, and get him to a contender. He should be very good this year. Uh, he was he had 17 points last week. He finally got in mm-hmm. the end zone. Um, I expect he'll continue to score more than he has. Uh, and yeah, he's getting all those touches. Um, who knows how, so how that continues and if he can keep that up uh you know he, he's getting so many you know running backs always don't always hold up uh with that kind of workload and Mixon has has been hurt actually quite a few times in the past uh not recently but uh in his first couple of years in the league he was a very injury prone running back very scary for fantasy so uh you never know with a increased workload what happens I, personally i think i would do that guys as a javante owner would you take Joe Mixon, since you're in the contending space? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about now. Um, so I know the the Mixon owner, our league, is probably looking to sell because he's a rebuilder too. Yeah, he's a um, It's Ani, right? It's Ani. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, feel like, I feel like I would just kind of have to take that. Uh, it feels gross. It's just so sad because like <laughs> three days ago. Mixon's pretty good though. Was... He's, no, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's only going to see positive regression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's I, yeah, not the, the nicest thing to do. It. But I, I, I don't know if I don't know if the Mixon owner would take it though. I, I, think I feel Ani, like 
would take it. I yeah. also agree, but you know, I think it would be pretty close. I I, I think, think it's, it's a, a good trade. trade for both sides. You know, it's it's yeah. a little bit scary for both and sides. Then he is Javante and JT. Like that's pretty. That's pretty nasty for a few. That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, you also like we said, he could not be back until maybe eight or nine. So a week eight or nine next year. So it's a it's a risk for for both sides. Um, yeah, and you know, he would then have to commit to trying to compete or tanking next year, trying to compete without him for the first half of the year. Um, so I don't know. I did want to go back to Calvin Ridley because Calvin Ridley's going to be 28 yeah, it's next an interesting year. One. Um, it was 28 next year. I thought he was. Yeah, he's almost 28 in December. He's so deceptively um, old. Yeah, he is pretty old for his draft class. Um, but I do still like Ridley as a, a buy candidate for Rebuilder uh, just because he's so good. Uh, and he's obviously not playing at all this year. Um, so uh, there are definitely a few teams that probably are were trying to compete with Ridley. Um, last year, and hopefully if you're a rebuilder, uh, they still are this year with Ridley. He's not a guy I'd want to give a first for, but you're probably going to have to get pretty close to that value. Um, an early second might get it done, but you're looking at rebuilding teams, so you'd probably have to give a player, uh, someone who's producing now. I don't really, I can't think of the proper value right now. Maybe if you guys shoot out a name, but Calvin Ridley's definitely an, a, a trade for target for me. Uh, 28 is, is not young. Um, but I expect him to, to continue to produce. Uh, we don't know what the Falcons are going to do with Ritter. Um, but as a third round pick, there's a chance they even replace him, uh, going into the future. If, if he doesn't, you know, do well when they finally put him in for Mariota. So Ridley is definitely a guy I'd want to target, uh, as well as both Meshi and Tony, who we have on here. Um, I think Tony showed that he's a very good receiver when he gets on the field, although he's super hurt and, Meshi has a very good opportunity for that team to get a new quarterback as well. Um, and it's a expected leukemia that we, we expect him to come back next year. Um, and since he didn't have extremely high draft capital, he was a late second uh, rookie draft pick uh, for dynasty. He's a guy who I think you can get pretty cheaply. Um, and so I really think you should target all four of these guys that we mentioned. Uh, if you are a rebuilder, I think all of them, uh, can return pretty good value and you can get cheaper way cheaper than they would ever be worth if they weren't hurt if you're uh, a contender and you have ridley what would you want for him what do you think would be a fair price i wish i was a contender because i got him everywhere but i'm always penny <laughs> uh, in a second well, then you're, you're good then you already got him penny <laughs> in a second it's just, i mean oh. if you need a running back that's definitely you know something i would that, definitely take yeah that. could get that done I, I, I do, are we so sure I think that so, yeah. Calvin really is going to be okay when he comes back, taking this much time off? I mean, he didn't get hurt, so yeah. like I, I assume he's uh, still rust. Though I mean, I it's going to yeah. be it just doesn't, that, 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 that doesn't really like I don't know. That doesn't really happen to players. I feel like I don't. But do you, we, I, do you think he's going to be well, the Falcons one though when he comes back? Yeah, like he has Probably Drake, Drake London, London right? Kyle Pitts, and I mean, who who's going to be his quarterback? I mean. Drake right, London has yeah. like a thirty percent right, yeah. right now, but yeah, he could yeah he could definitely get a new quarterback. We don't know. Arthur how Smith will still is. fuck it up. Uh, <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's interesting. Like he could. There's a reasonable chance, very reasonable chance, he's the third 
target there. No, no, he's not the third target behind Kyle Pitts. Dude, shut up. <laughs> he like, could be. Why no, not? No, he's not. Because Kyle Pitts has like four targets a game right now. If, if Calvin Ridley steps back on the field, Calvin Ridley was dominating targets even with Julio on the field. Not more targets than Julio, but still garnering a ton of targets. He is was, not. It, 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 no, uh, no. Well, Matt Ryan was a quarterback. His, so this is assuming that Bryce Young's his quarterback next year. No, no, I wouldn't assume that either. Then like oh, any, reasonable chance. Anything other? Do you think it's gonna be Ritter then? I mean, I think it could be Ritter or a new quarterback. I'm just saying, like, Kyle Pitts is not going to be a target leader over Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley's a great route runner, and he's going to get open. I, I, I definitely don't see that if Kyle Pitts can't do it without him on the field. I mean, there's there's no reason if he can't do it with him out with him out. Well, there's an absolutely no reason to think he could do it with him in. I know you guys love Kyle Pitts, but that's just it's it's not a reasonable argument in my opinion. I mean, but like Marcus Mariota threw the ball what 13 times. Last game? Yeah, this game, yeah. But what about before that? He's had, you know, one decent game. Calvin Ridley leading in targets with five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Drake London had like seven targets still. I mean, I'm not saying that he he might not even take over for Drake London, but even being the uh, being a stud too. Calvin, imagine Calvin Ridley guarding the the second corner on a team, dude. He's absolutely torching that man. Calvin Ridley is a great receiver, uh, and. I, I think he's a he's a great target. I mean, I just I couldn't see a world where Kyle Pitts out targets him in any way, shape, or form. I mean, if, if you can't do it now, you're not doing it when he comes back. All right, one more note on injury guys I want to make is a, a little a little asterisk here. Guys that aren't currently injured, but guys that are newly recovered from torn ACLs. We're thinking last year of the Cortland Suttons, the Saquon Barkleys, those type of guys. Uh, last year, they were just recovering off their torn ACLs. Uh, and now this year, they're doing great. It's well documented that the second year after an ACL tear is when players really gain their full form back, typically, typically. So if you see any guys out there that are coming off an ACL tear that are struggling a little bit, you know, they're not really playing that as well as they can, that is a good guy that you can try to target in a trade as a rebuilder too. Um, you know, if you got Saquon last year, you could have gotten him for – a first easily. And now he's worth more than that. Uh, something like that. Uh, these are just good, interesting guys to target. JK Dobbins could have been one this year. Uh, he did have the two touchdown game last week. Um, so unless he cools off, it might be a bit tough. Someone like a Gus Edwards, maybe um, once he starts to come back, someone like that could be someone you can interestingly just throw on at the end of a trade or even like a bigger name, like a Chris Godwin, if he kind of is, is in and out with these little, uh, lingering injuries throughout the year that could be someone too that you could really target in a, in a trade so um that's just a little uh point of interest that we wanted to throw out there um do y'all have anything to add about that just wanted to like reiterate with godwin you know he he's been so hurt this year I, i've got to assume that any competing godwin owner is very frustrated uh so you know he'll be 27 uh in a few months uh but i think he's a, a great target especially right now while he is so dinged up I, I i've got to assume that they'd be pretty pissed off so i personally would love to target uh someone like godwin um but yeah i, I think jk is probably too hard and and gus is just not quite there he's probably not going to get enough work not a guy i'd love but godwin definitely a target for me yeah all right let's move oh, go ahead i'll have one more thing to add um yeah yeah i think um yeah like like, like, like Kai's said, um, the one-year ACL guys, like these guys, I think the, the point here is more so 
And these guys have like kind of already returned to value. Godwin, not as much, but like J.K. Dobbins, I assume when Gus Edwards comes back, his value will kind of return to what it was prior to the injury. Um, just because these guys are relatively young and they're explosive athletes. So like when they get on the field, they're going to produce numbers. Um, so this is more so like, like they, like uh, Kaiser Promo said, this is more so a point to guys who are like getting hurt now. Like Javante Williams, if anybody else goes down before the end of the season, which this is the NFL, like I assume somebody will. Um, those guys immediately become targets as a rebuilder. Um, that's kind of what I did last season with J.K. Dobbins. I was kind of already out of playoff contention. I sold Leonard Fournette for J.K. Dobbins uh, straight up. So I think that that sort of trade is definitely viable, especially later in the year when these teams that have these assets are competing and they're trying to sell off any hurt guys that they can so that they can continue to revamp their roster to really push for that championship. So that's a great time to start buying those pieces is like later in the year. All right, let's move on to our final category here. We got the guys that are getting a new situation. So new situations that they'll find on their own teams. Uh, typically this can come in the hands of uh, a quarterback change or something. So think about maybe a Tom Brady's retiring. You might want to pick up a Kyle Trask, someone like that. Uh, who could find himself in a, as a starting quarterback next year. Uh, teams that are likely to get new quarterbacks, think of a Houston Texans um, that are going to get a top draft pick this year in all likelihood uh, and might have a bump to their uh, receiving core. Guys like Nico Collins, Brandon Cooks, uh, or the Panthers with DJ Moore. Maybe he will finally get his quarterback uh, that he seems to deserve. So uh, you all have any thoughts on this category? Yeah, lots of guys uh, I definitely would like to talk about. Uh, I think I'll just start with DJ Moore um, because, yeah, he, he's put up a 1,000 yards basically in every single year, and it doesn't look like he's on that pace this year, but he's still young, uh, and we hope that he can find himself into a new quarterback situation. Uh, DJ Moore has got to be extremely frustrating for any owner right now. I have him in a couple of le redraft leagues, and it's so frustrating. Um I would absolutely go target DJ Moore. A late first for DJ Moore is something I would still absolutely do. He's a very young player uh, and could have a much better situation next year. I thought Baker would be it. Uh, doesn't look that way. Um, but yeah, DJ Moore is a, is a huge target and a guy that I would still give up a first for uh, because he is just such a good young receiver. Um, a guy like Kyle Trask is not someone I want to target. I don't believe he'll be the starter next year. But then again, two years learning under Brady is is fantastic. Um, you know, you can't really ask for any better situation than that. Um, so I guess we'll see. Um, but that's a big change in situation for all of those Bucks receivers next year. Godwin, especially Mike Evans, who's getting pretty old uh, and is a touchdown monster. Um, but still very good separator and, you know, has great hands, but, uh, those are guys I'd be a little bit worried about, um, with someone like Kyle Trask coming in or possibly a new quarterback. Yeah. I'll, I'll kind of reiterate on the DJ Moore, uh, uh, point because I've been such a champion for DJ Moore for so long. Uh, I'm kind of getting some DJ Moore fatigue over here where it's getting tough to continue to defend DJ Moore, even though he keeps putting up these like crappy games. Um, so, yeah, like I'm sure if whoever has DJ Moore in their league has kind of experienced this same fatigue. Um, so if you send out a good enough offer, I'm sure the DJ Moore offer will hit accept. Um, I still hold out hope for him because um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Never Sell Club. But uh, DJ Moore, yeah, definitely a guy that is due for some positive regression. He's still only 25 
Hopefully the QB situation improves. Hopefully Baker Mayfield, once he gets a little bit more time in the system, time to uh, build chemistry with his team, um, everything will improve over there in Carolina. Um, kind of the only two other guys I want to talk about within this like new QB slash situation improving um, is Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne hasn't really put up the numbers which we were hoping for, um, but he has shown like his, his explosiveness, his athleticism. He's a very dynamic athlete. And when he gets into space, he looks like the player which we all hoped he could be. Um, I think that his uh, fantasy production will only continue to improve. I'm just really curious to see how this splits continue to play out with James Robinson throughout the rest of the year. Um, Because not super uh, um, optimistic right now. So hopefully that improves. Uh, But last guy I want to talk about is Rashad White. Um, been a champion for Rashad White this entire offseason. Super hyped to see him get in the end zone this past week, especially after the fumble on the opening kickoff, um, especially under the bright lights. So great bounce back. Got five targets for or five receptions for 50 yards. Um, Brady loves to dump off the ball. Rashad White's got great hands. Um, this is kind of a theme that he uh, uh, this skill that he portrayed in college. So great to see that he's carried that over into the NFL. And he looks fluid. He looks like an explosive athlete. So um, I think. Uh, that his situation will only continue to improve. Um, I completely on agree. I have no idea what's going to happen. I, with this team. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Rashad White is a someone you definitely try to get uh, if you if you're rebuilding. Just echoing everything Josh said. I mean, he he has he's flashing the talent. He flashed it in college. He is in a situation where his value is a bit suppressed now. Hopefully, he doesn't get too much playing time in the coming weeks for you rebuilders who are trying to get him. Uh, so his value doesn't go up and up. Um, but for, for me, I wanted to mention real something real quick about Rashad. Uh, so I saw this tweet from Fantasy Labs about Leonard Fournette's opportunities um, in the first four weeks. And so Leonard Fournette in week one, he had 23 opportunities and they won. Week two, 28 opportunities, they won. Week three, 18 opportunities, they lost. Week four, 10 opportunities, they lost. So when Tampa Bay is a is a favorite or when they're winning, it seems like he gets more opportunities. And when they're losing, they put Rashad in for more of that receiving role. I think Tampa Bay next week, they host Atlanta. Um, so my guess is they're probably going to dominate. Uh, they have been sort of lacking so far uh but atlanta has a you know sort of weaker defense um they run the ball well but i think tampa bay is going to probably handle them pretty well and that means in my opinion from what i see fournette might get a lot of work and so i think rashad would be a perfect target after this week if he doesn't get a lot of work and and fournette has a good game people may be off of him and he's a profile that we all like uh, a player we all like and and could continue to increase his role in the future but this week, obviously, is, is a bit scary after his increased role. I think he'd be a little bit more costly. But if you can wait just one week and then really try to target him after after this Atlanta game, I think he's a great buy. All right. Well, that seems to wrap up everything that we have for y'all today. Yeah. I lied. Kai, I made Kai's lie. I made Kai's lie to you. I want to talk about the Lions real quick because the Lions, although they're a great, fantastic uh, fantasy team, and Jared Goff is playing out of his mind, the Lions do have a potential out this year. Uh, next year, his cap hit would be $30 million, um, but they, it's only a $10 million cap, dead cap hit if they cut him. Uh, they, they could always restructure, um, but that's a huge, huge cap hit of $30 million this year where if you cut him, you get 10. Uh, I don't expect them. I know 
you know, some of us expect them to win a lot of games. Some of us don't. Uh, I don't expect them to have a great team. I think they could easily move on um, from Jared Goff, e- even if he continues to play this well. Uh, they could get a good, t- a, a decent draft pick um, and continue or, or and move on from him this year because of his high uh, salary cap uh, in the upcoming years. He's got $30 million cap in both the next two years. So getting a $10 million cap dead cap hit this year would save them $60 million in the next two against the cap. Uh, and so if you can bring in a, a rookie quarterback and then use that money to bolster their horrible defense, uh, I think that might be a smart decision on their part. And so um, just wanted to mention that and say I'm not really targeting any of the Lions uh, players right now because of that that potential change and the fact that a rookie quarterback might not be as fantasy uh, as productive for fantasy as Jared Goff is right now, even with all the weapons. Yeah, I just think Goff's been so good, though. I mean uh... – it's it's I feel bad for them the offense because the defense has just been so terrible. But that offensive line's amazing. I I think I touched upon this on the last episode that if a rookie quarterback does end up making their way as a starter on the Lions, they are they are walking into the most perfect situation you could ask for. Uh, and I think Goff finds his way on another team too. I mean, he's definitely proven that he could be a start starting quarterback. You know, I mean, obviously he's given a, a great situation. But even this last week without Swift without. Uh, without Amon Ra, without Shark, he still found a way to get it done and make uh, made all of his weapons uh, be productive. So, um, yeah, it could be an interesting situation there. I'm just so excited to see JMO in this offense. JMO, I cannot <laughs> wait. Oh my it's god, be so I've, fun. Been, I've been waiting all off season. Yeah. Like I have oh, these good basketball teams. JMO. Yeah, there's your ACL target. Yeah. I, I don't even yeah. have my my number one best ball player yet to even touch uh, step foot on the field. So I cannot wait for Jameson <laughs> yeah. Williams to step on the field. I cannot wait. Oh my Josh god. Josh is gonna try very hard to get Jamison Williams off of my roster. I've tried off so my contending hard. roster. It's not happening. It's not happening. Please. <laughs> if Josh Reynolds can put up like seven <laughs> catches for 80 yards and a touchdown, Josh Reynolds. Let's, let, let's wait and see what JMO can do. <laughs> yep. Hey, it's it's a good offense. Don't get me wrong, and and he is playing well. But it's those pieces, uh, in my opinion. You know, he he didn't really, you know, he didn't put up the fantasy production or or the numbers in in uh, L.A. He didn't look as good in L.A. Ooh, but Jared this Goff? offensive line, yeah, Jared Goff was the QB five in twenty seventeen. He's like the QB three right now. Uh, anyway, well, yeah, he can do it. He can do it. He can do it. Uh, but I just, I, I don't know. I mean, they're not winning games the, and the rest of the offense is so good. Like it's making him look really good in my opinion. I, I don't know if he's that long. I, I personally, I don't I mean, think he's, they're not winning part. games because of the defense. The defense, yeah, the defense so sucks. Bad. Yeah. But the offense is good because of the weapons and the line and it's not good because of golf. Like I don't think that, I think any average quarterback could be putting up these points with the, the system and, yeah, and the he's weapons. A, he he's an average quarterback in the NFL. That's, I mean, that's says something i don't really think he's average either I, that was a that was a bad statement <laughs> you're crazy we need a, we need yeah, a, I'm a whole hater. episode I'm a hater. we need a whole episode i'm a golf hater jared goff i'm a golf hater uh <laughs> but i mean we'll see I, I mean you know he's put up a ton of numbers i just think with that cap hit there's a real chance that he's gone or maybe restructure but uh yeah i mean there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this draft i just i mean he's not the long-term solution in my opinion so i could definitely see them moving on and that's All it. Now right. Well, <laughs> now, now Jared's done, so we can end. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's our uh, Rebuilders episode. Uh, 
so if you got a rebuilder out there, it's the most fun part of Dynasty. I uh, hope this was helpful for you, and we hope that you'll check back in next week. Appreciate it. And get some wins in the future, baby. Not this year. <laughs>